Well, good evening to you all. My name is John McCombs. I'm one of the assistant pastors at City Reform. I want to welcome you to our evening service. Uh, if, uh, if this is too hot for you, you should have been here the last few weeks. You really wouldn't have liked it then. So it's pretty pleasant tonight. We're doing a good job, and the Lord uh, gave us a nice, cool Pittsburgh night uh, last night. So we have that to praise him, uh, him for. We will have Grill the Preacher uh, after the service. So if you have questions about the sermon or just anything in general, that's something we do in the evening. It'll start at about 8 o'clock. We'll do it in the conference room in the corner. So for those of you who are new or have never participated in that, uh, you are all welcome to come and ask lots of questions. Uh, and I promise to have answers. I don't know if they'll be the right answers, but I'll have some answers, okay? So we'll, we'll dive into God's Word together, and we'll see what it has to say. Uh, our text tonight is from the book of Jonah. We started the book of Jonah. Uh, Pastor Nauman introduced it last week, just the first three verses. And so we will pick up there tonight, uh, uh, and we will start our reading uh, tonight in verse 4 and go through verse 16. Uh, it's printed on page uh, 6 of your bulletin. Uh, 6 and 7, uh, and our custom in the evening service uh, is, uh, I will say after reading that this is the word of the Lord, and you can say, thanks be to God. Okay. Let's hear God's word now from Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid. And each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is, it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're going to start off tonight with a little movie trivia. And some of you are a little tipped off 
if you've if you if you're an early arrival and you've scoured your bulletin, so I know at least two people are a little tipped off on this one. So don't everybody turn there right now. But we're going to start off with a line from a movie. Now the the movie's from 1975, and the genre I'm going to call it action, although it's pretty horrific at times. Uh, so here's the line. All right, you can just shout out the movie. You might do it in unison. Here's the line: You're going to need a bigger boat. I see Bill Gould mouthing it over there. What is it? The movie is Jaws. Everybody knows uh, the movie Jaws. And you know the line, but you may not know, if it's true, exactly how the line came about. So the story goes that they, of necessity, had to do a lot of filming on the water. (laughs) So they had a big barge, a, a, a big ship, but apparently not quite big enough for all of the equipment. So the running joke, again and again, amongst the set and cast and crew was, you're going to need a bigger boat, right? And it just kept coming up in all kinds of ways. They would joke about it all the time. And it got so contagious that some of the actors during the movie would just ad-lib into a line of the movie. Like, and, it's just, and it just happened all the time. And if, if they recorded outtakes like they do today and played them at the end of the movie, we might see some of those. Perhaps you can find some. But apparently, right, when... Chief Brody or Sheriff Brody you know, sees that shark for the very first time. Right? He's chumming, he's leaning over the boat, and that thing just comes out of the water, and his eyes get as big as eyes can get, and he just stumbles backwards into the cabin with uh, Quint, the captain of the boat and the expert shark fisher, and he's got the cigarette just dangling from his mouth, and he says the line, right? you're going to need... A bigger boat. Right, it's a line that made the movie famous, and it wasn't even really supposed to be in there at first glance. Chief Brody, he saw this shark, and he knew they had a big problem. Right? And he knew that big problem called for a big solution. I think our lives can be a bit the same. When we're struggling with issues, they're different for all of us. When we're struggling with sin, that's not different for all of us. Uh, when we're struggling with doubt, when we're struggling with shame, when we're running from the Lord, maybe perhaps if we don't know the Lord, our spiritual problems are much bigger than our physical problems. Are they not? They're much bigger than even some pesky little 25-foot great white shark. And when we stop and think, we realize we need a bigger boat. We need something bigger than the resources that we have to get us out of our spiritual problems. And where can we find something bigger? Well, only God's boat is big enough. If we were going to name God's boat tonight, we might call it the USS Compassion. Sorry for those of you who aren't U.S. natives, but that's the way we name our boats around here. It's the USS something. It might be called the USS Compassion, and the captain of that boat would be the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one big enough to deal with our problems is our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't need a bigger boat. We need to be in God's boat. And Christ, as the captain of that boat, like any good captain, when they hear the cry, man overboard, they go looking for that man. And so that's what the Lord does. In the Lord's compassion, He runs after those who are lost. And that's what we see as we enter into our text. I'm going to read now the first four verses of Jonah. 
just to catch the background as we go into verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. So we enter into this week's text, and Jonah is running, and the Lord is chasing after him. He's chasing after him in the form of a storm. He said, go to a great city. Jonah says, I'm not going to go to a great city. So God sends a great storm after him. There are tons of plays on words in this book. There is so much irony. There is so much satire. The Ferrelli brothers have nothing on this book in terms of humor uh, and irony. Um, and and it, it just abounds. Uh, and so much repetition in those play on words. We're going to keep seeing this theme of great. We see uh, the, the themes of hurling. We see the themes of fear. All this just in these few verses uh, today. But the Lord's chasing after Jonah in a storm. And should we find that unexpected? Or is that kind of God's MO in the scriptures? If that's new to you, God chasing after people who are lost, running after them, then I, I think we need to go back to the beginning and take a closer look. Adam and Eve, after they sin, they're hiding. They're lost, so to speak. God comes, right? He pursues them. God seeks. Abram was no different than anyone else in that day. He, he was from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was just like anyone else, all of whom were lost, and God went to him, right? in his compassion, and in his mercy. And he found him. Lot, Abraham's nephew, uh, not much different there. The patriarchs throughout uh, the book of Genesis. The Israelites in Egypt, as we move over to the book of Exodus. It's the same story. People are lost. God is coming to find them. We move on to the book of Judges. Israel repeats a cycle of, it's just a giant game of lost and found. Uh, and God keeps raising up Judges, right, uh, to, to, to pursue Israel, right, and to defeat their enemies. And the cycle just goes on and on. Naomi and Ruth lost, right? Ruth, a great foil to the book of Judges. Uh, the kings, so often lost, and God returning to his people who have been uh, led astray. And all the way through the exile, God seeking after his people who are lost and bringing them back. So it shouldn't surprise us to read this in the book of Jonah, and it shouldn't surprise us when Christ comes in the New Testament and says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord in his compassion and mercy and grace is running after those who are lost. We see it all throughout the scriptures, but there's a bit of a problem. And the problem is this. The lost often run away from God's compassion. Do they not? And that's what we see here uh, in verses 4 through 6. We already read uh, through verse 4 where the great wind comes, right, and the ship's threatening to break up. We read this in verses 5 and 6. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. 
And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Which direction is Jonah running here? Well, if you were here last week, Naaman did a good job of pointing that out. And this week's text continues. He keeps going down. He keeps going away from the presence of the Lord. The symbology, the imagery is he's going down. He's going towards death and away from life. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the inner part of the ship. He even lays down to go to sleep. To avoid the pangs of his own conscience. Isn't that so easy to do? To run. To hide. Even in the midst of God and his compassion pursuing us. We so often, we run, we hide. And and when you run and hide, isn't it amazing how quickly you can get lost? I mean, it really doesn't take long at all. To backslide in the faith and be somewhere you don't want to be. And you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs saying, how did I get here? In just a few short weeks. Or perhaps even days. It can happen that quickly. It gets so bad here with Jonah that a pagan ship captain is prodding him. Right? Again, the irony. Jonah's not praying. A pagan ship captain has to come to him and say, hey... It's time to pray. Wake up. Right? You're sleeping. We're all going to die. Will you not pray? We're all upstairs praying, and you're down here taking a nap. How could you possibly sleep through this? Come on, man, pray. We're all going to die. And what's Jonah's response? Cricket? Cricket? It's nothing. It's nothing at all. It's as if he just rolls over and goes back to sleep. He has nothing to say, this prophet of the Lord, when compelled to pray to his God in the midst of this incredible storm, and there's no answer. He's continuing to try and run from the Lord. What about you? Has God's compassion found you? Would you characterize your life as one of running towards God's mercy and compassion or running away from it? You see, in this text, we see two different responses. We see two different confessions to God's compassion in the form of this storm. Two different responses. I'll call them a tale of two confessions, right, in the midst of Jonah's storm. So here are two stormy confessions. Let's start with Jonah's first. Jonah's confession as he runs from the Lord in verses 7 through 9. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So here, 
as we dive into this short section, they're casting lots. It was a common practice in the ancient Near East. It was not unique to Israel to determine the will of God, to see what the will of God was. And they're trying to figure out, right, whose fault is this? This is, to these mariners, to these seafarers, this is such a gigantic storm. These kind of things just don't happen. They're assuming, and, and rightly so, that someone on this boat has done something wrong. Someone has done something to upset their God, and this storm is the result. And so they cast lots, and the lot points to Jonah. And so they come to Jonah, and they ask this series of questions. And here's Jonah's response. Well, he starts off first, and he says, I'm a Hebrew. Okay. So far, so good. And then he goes on to say, I fear the Lord. And he uses the covenant name of God. I guess still so far so good, at least in terms of the words he's using. Then he goes on to explain, though, that this God, Yahweh, is the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now the mariners, of course, they had their gods. They had many gods. Theirs were a little more local than this. So here is Jonah, uh, and he's running from the God of the sea and the God of dry land. Where can you run from that God? They realized pretty quickly they took on the wrong passenger. I think at this point, they, they safely assumed, right, the lot fell there, and now here he said this. They're like, okay, right, Eureka, right, we found it. This, this is the guy. This, this is... This is the problem. Uh, so uh, at first, perhaps they were a little like Job's friends, but there's confirmation here, right? They know beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that this problem uh, is Jonah, right? And he's trying to run from this God, right? But I want to key in on Jonah's words here. He says, I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord. And where does Jonah's fear lead him? Where had it led him thus far? And where is it leading him now, this fear of the Lord? Jonah's fear of the Lord had led him to run away from the Lord. Jonah's fear of the Lord had led him to have no compassion on the Ninevites. And Jonah's fear of the Lord is leading him right now to have no compassion on these mariners, these sailors. Fear that doesn't know God's compassion leads to isolation. Fear that doesn't know God's compassion leads to despair. Jonah is not rightly fearing the Lord here. But there's another confession shortly on the heels of Jonah's. Let's dive in and take a look at, at this one. This is our second confession. This is the mariner's confession. Right? So Jonah's confessing as he's running away from the Lord, and I'm going to suggest to you the mariners are confessing as God is finding them. Uh, not, not them finding the Lord and running towards Him, but God finding them through this storm. Verses 10 through 16, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? 
for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. See, Jonah feared the Lord. I have to think he was a bit afraid here, and he was not the only one. The mariners were afraid too, these sailors. We see it as early as verse 5. In verse 10, we see that they're now exceedingly afraid, and I think they had every reason to be. Again, Jonah is running from the God of the sea, and they're on the sea, and he's on their boat. <laughs> they needed a bigger boat. Uh, he's not like, uh, um, uh, excuse me. Um, uh, so they're thinking in their minds, how, how on earth are we going to get out of this? This guy's on our boat. And the storm picks up, and Jonah says to them, hurl me overboard. Uh, If this were written in today's language, or let me say in Wayne's world language, there'd be a whole lot more hurling in this. Uh, I have a feeling there's a whole lot more than just storms being hurled and and things being hurled over. And Jonah, there's a lot of hurling going on in this storm because it is a, a wicked, vicious storm. Right, so he says, hurl me overboard. And out of compassion for Jonah, they don't instantly obey. In fact, they initially refuse. Jonah seems fine to let them all die. Right? Just, I'll just sleep this one off. You know? And if, we just, if I never wake up and we just sink to the bottom of the ocean, I'll be just fine. But they're not fine in letting... Jonah die. The mariners are seeking to preserve even the life of the one who brought this trouble upon them. And when they realize they need a bigger boat, they do something that Jonah has yet to do in this text. They call out to the Lord for mercy. Verse 14, uh, here's their confession. Here's them calling out to the Lord, O Lord, Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. This language is found in Psalm 115. The Lord doing as he pleases. It was found in Psalm 135, our call to worship. Uh, Surely this is a confession of faith. They have come to know the God whom Jonah professes. They call out to the Lord for mercy, seeking compassion from him, and they hurl Jonah man overboard. But they do it seeking the compassion of the Lord, and they find it. They find that compassion, and the storm stops. And now they feared the Lord exceedingly. 
And they went on to sacrifice. They went on to make vows. That is, they went on to worship. So we see two confessions here. Jonah and the mariners. All of them feared the Lord. All of them were very afraid here. What's the difference between their two confessions? Well, I think the difference at this point in the story of Jonah is their understandings of themselves and their understandings of God. Say that again. Their differences are twofold. The understandings of themselves and their understandings of God. Let's look at Jonah first. You see, I think, as far as I read this, Jonah thinks he's just fine on his own. He's a prophet. I mean, he's a Hebrew, and he's a Hebrew prophet. Like, it doesn't get much more holy than that in the eyes of the Hebrews in that day. He clearly thinks his people are righteous, and he the most righteous of them all. He's not like wicked Ninevites. He's not like these pagan sailors. He's not called out to God yet for mercy or compassion because he's just fine on his own. He can run. He can hide. He can ride out this storm. Jonah just says, hurl me in, right? And if the storm continues for me, so be it. He never really seemed truly concerned for the sailors, did he? I mean, if he was, he could just walk off the boat, could he not? He could have done that some time ago. Nowhere, anywhere in here does he show any concern for the sailors. How about the sailors? Well, the sailors, on the other hand, they cried out for mercy. There's no self-salvation project here, unlike Jonah. Jonah's storm, which was God's compassionate chasing after Jonah... And Jonah's words, think about the irony here, both play a huge role in the lives of these sailors. Jonah told them about Yahweh, but he also said this in verse 12. Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. By faith, these sailors, these mariners, grasped that another man must die if they are to live. By faith, they believed this. This word from Jonah. This word from Jonah, who fails in so many ways as a prophet, and yet, He's a type of Christ. He fails in so many ways as a prophet, and yet he is a type of Christ. You see, he's thrown overboard, down into the ocean, right, to a most certain death that they might live. And when Jonah hits the water, as far as they're concerned, they're never going to see him again. They're never going to hear from him again. There's no surviving this in their eyes. And when Jonah hits the water, 
God stops those waves. The only God who can stop the waves. The God who stops the waves in Mark chapter 4, which we read earlier. God stops the waves and the mariners are saved and they worship. And at the heart of their confession was the sacrifice of another. That they might live. Someone had to take this wrath of God for them. And in this case, it was Jonah. What about you? What's at the center of your confession? Is it you? Or is it God? Is your salvation centered on the promises you intend to keep, but you won't? Or is it centered and based on the promises that God has kept for you? See, Jonah, son of Amittai, is a very interesting name. Because Amittai means my faithfulness. Jonah is the son of my faithfulness. The son of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. And He's compassionate. Are you trusting in His mercy? And in His grace, is this the faith you're confessing? True, genuine, saving faith in the God who substituted Himself for us. Faith in Christ's life and death and resurrection. Christ coming to take on human flesh, to walk around in our shoes. This is the very definition of compassion. There's no better example. It comes out of God's concern for us. Him seeing us suffering in our sin and misery. And so Christ comes and He takes our place. God saw us. And like so often we read, like in the early chapters of Exodus, where He saw the misery of God's people and he heard and he remembered his covenant and he came to deliver. So it is with Christ. Christ came to live the life we were intended to live. He came to die the death that we deserve. God substituted himself for us. God sacrificed himself for us. Do you know this Great God of great compassion. Do you confess faith in Him? Christ took the great storm of God's wrath that came upon us because of our sin. I want to encourage you today and all of your days to confess genuine faith in the God of all compassion. Confess faith in our Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who came and took our place, who died that we might live. Will you place your hope and trust in Him alone? Will you confess this faith as those who come before us by grace have confessed this gift of God? Will you confess it? Will you believe it? Will you know this compassion? And will you live out that compassion towards us?